0: episode four of the Prolific Christian Writer Podcast. Today, I interview Ryan Pelton on the mindset, craft, and business of being a prolific writer. Welcome to the Prolific Christian Writer Podcast, where we believe you can change the world with your words. Follow an indie author and pastor and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on how you can honor Christ and change the world by writing fast, writing often, and writing well. I'm your host, Tian Dung. Now, let's get on with today's show. Well, today on, on the show, we have Ryan J. Pelton. Ryan is a writer, pastor, podcaster, and founder of Rock House Publishing and Indie Publishing House. Ryan's written a bunch of books. I think the count is about 16 right now, nonfiction and and fiction. And one of the most important things that uh, Ryan has done is uh, he started a podcast for writers called the Prolific Writer Podcast. And that's actually how I met Ryan. He's, he's a personal friend and mentor, kind of a coach and, uh, of mine. So, Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, TN. Uh, we're going to have a good time. <clears throat> Ryan, uh, just uh, give us a little background about yourself, what, what you're doing and uh, what you're most excited about right now.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, mo- I'm probably most excited. I'm having a, another kid uh, in January. Uh, So I'm a husband, uh, married my high school sweetheart, and uh, we have three rambunctious boys and we're having our first girl. So we're excited about that in January. Um, Yeah, I I pastor a church. Um, I planted a couple churches, Uh, been in ministry for a long time, Uh, been writing for a long time and love to read books. And I'm kind of nerdy in that way. Um, And, you know, I love to see when the Los Angeles Dodgers lose in the World Series. So that's kind of exciting for me. That's terrible. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, he's he's
0: he's rubbing salt in a sore wound. Dodgers just lost last night, game seven. That was rough, but uh, that's why sports is not our idol. So, <laughs> uh, the Ryan the the way I heard about you and contacted you was I, I became a fan of your podcast, the Prolific Writer Podcast, and I was just listening to it, and every now and then I I, I heard. Uh, some Christian ish stuff. And so I looked you up and I found out that you're a pastor and actually you're, you're a pastor in the same network that, that I'm in. And so, uh, that's how I, I contacted you. Um, so let, let's talk about the the podcast and then we'll get to your writing. Uh, tell us about the prolific writer podcast.
1: Yeah. The, the prolific writer podcast is a, a podcast I started, uh, back in January. So end of 2016, And one of the things that I began to, to realize or, or have some strong convictions about was if you want to be a successful writer, um, whether you're doing that to be a hobbyist or to actually sell books, um, is that you need to do it a lot. And, um, and, and as I kind of began to explore, what it meant to be a writer, how to write, um, and began to kind of read different blogs and articles and talk to different authors is there's just these common kind of misconceptions about writing that, um, if you know, you want to be a good writer, well, you, you have to take five years to write a book and, You know, you have to rewrite a million times and and all these kinds of things. And it really just kind of, I think, took the wind out of the sails of a lot of writers. And so I my goal really selfishly was to start the podcast so I could go and find some of these prolific writers and hear their stories. And so whether they're Christians or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, But people that have have made successful careers out of writing and and one of the cool things you realize on the podcast is that a lot of these writers, you've never heard of them. And, and they're making you know, full-time livings. They're doing really well, fiction and nonfiction. Some people write a book a month, and they write great stories, and they, they sell a lot of books. And, and so I wanted to kind of pick their brains and, and hear more and learn more. So it started kind of selfishly just trying to get better as a writer and, and hopefully help other writers get into writing and encourage them and, and inspire them because there's a lot of great, great stories and testimonies out there about uh, writers. So that's kind of how it started. So uh,
0: Ryan is the genius behind uh, and inspiration behind uh, this podcast, the prolific Christian writer. I, I asked for permission to steal that idea. Basically, I just wanted to reproduce what you were accomplishing, but for a specifically Christian context. So Ryan, uh, thanks for your, your help and in, in, in guidance in getting this started.
1: My pleasure. Uh, Ryan, tell us a little bit about your upbringing, how that shaped you for what you're doing right now. Yeah, you know, so um so as far as the like pastoring goes and um you know, Christian thing, um I didn't really grow up in a Christian home and uh so, you know, growing up there was no aspirations to be a pastor or, you know, that's probably the farthest thing um I wanted to do and didn't really know any pastors or anything like that. Um uh, but I had some great influences. Uh, I mean, my my parents are great. You know, they were there for me and and you know, we you know, did our thing and and uh I had some grandparents that were uh, Christians and really influenced me just the way I, I saw their lives, the joy they had, um, even in the midst of like suffering and just hard things, there's just something interesting about them and, and kind of drew me in and they've taken me to church once in a while and things like that. Um, and you know, as I kind of got into my teenage years, um, late in, t- in, in, uh, high school, my parents got divorced and that was really just a really hard time. And I kind of went down just a really into a dark place and got into partying and drugs and alcohol and just, you know, just bad relationships and all kinds of things. And, uh, and that's really kind of where, uh, God began to kind of open up my eyes to, to, to know his grace and his love. And, um, and so through some friends that started kind of, uh, inviting me to church and telling me about just Jesus character and, and all this, um, I be, became a Christian kind of late in high school, almost, uh, beginning of college. So, uh, and that really just changed my life, changed the trajectory of my life. I was uh, actually serving in the church uh, shortly thereafter and uh, really wanted to uh, – my, my original dream was to uh, run golf courses and, uh, and maybe get into the professional golf arena. I played golf in high school and college and wanted to kind of go down that route. But as I kind of got into business school and, and, and getting exposed to some of that, God was kind of leading me in a different direction. And through some friends and some elders in my church, they started to talk about ministry and, and all of that. And, uh, and so, I mean, this was way back in, I don't know, 90, 99, 2000 ish. And so I ended up transferring out of, uh, college, uh, to go to a Christian college. Um, I was going to a state college and then went to a Christian college and, uh, did a a degree in, in uh, Christian education at Biola university. And, um, and then from there, yeah, I've been, I've been pastoring ever since and, uh, got into church planting in 2005 and been planting churches ever since. Um, and so, so that, that's kind of the one, one lane of my life, um, as far as my, my career and vocation. Uh, but, but, you know, writing and creativity has kind of always been part of my life. Um, and I don't think I realized that there's kind of these ebbs and flows throughout my life where I remember really, I have this real strong memory, like about third grade where the teacher said, you know, I want you to get up, a stack of paper. this was in the days when you could actually go to the back of the room and they'd have like paper in the back. Those days are gone. Uh, but we'd grab a stack of paper and she said, just write any story that you want. She didn't really give us any prompts or anything. And I just remember writing this story about uh, this prince and king and dragons and, and all this. And I just remember day after day, she'd give us time to write and I just loved it. I, there was just something in me that said, I, I really like this. And I went home and I remember we had a little typewriter and I pretend to write stories and all that kind of stuff. And then kind of as I got older, reading wasn't that interesting, writing wasn't that interesting until probably going all the way to college where I started to write again because I had to for, for papers and things. And as I got into ministry, it was kind of interesting because as I got into ministry, I was writing all the time. Uh, I I would, you know, lead a camp and I'd have to write like a little devotional for the camp. Um, I was writing these little booklets to like train leaders. And I just kind of really found this joy and love for writing. I I realized that's kind of how I express myself. Uh, It's kind of how I learn. Um, and so it just kind of has always been part of my life in some way, shape or form. Um, started writing some articles on the side, getting published in some different places. Um, and then around 2012 was kind of the indie revolution. This thing called the ebook kind of got pushed in my face and I was starting a church and I wanted to create a, just a little short leadership book, um, to help train our leaders. And I didn't know how to distribute it and I didn't you know, other than like going to some vanity press and paying thousands of dollars. um, I started reading about, you know, this, this print on demand stuff and Kindle publishing and create space and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, well, maybe I could create a book and be able to distribute it to my leaders and things like that. And so, so it was about 2012. That was kind of my first like book and that, you know, real short book, but it was just something about going through that process, learning how it worked and, and getting the words down and then realizing that. You know, this is a way that you can get your words and get your ideas out into the world. And that's kind of that's stayed with me ever since. Um, and so I've been writing and publishing really consistently since 2012. Yeah, I guess that kind of broke the the dam because since
0: 2012, it, 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 I think you've published uh, 16 books. Is that right? Or is there more than that?
1: Um, there's, there's maybe a little more. Um, there's a few in the, in the pipeline, but, uh, yeah, I've taken actually some down, put some up. So yeah, it's somewhere around there. I, I don't really keep track, but yeah, 15, 16, something. I don't know. They'll probably be 18 by the end of the year. Who knows? So Ryan, you have a, uh, an, an alter ego there. There's
0: pastor Ryan, Pelton that writes, uh, nonfiction Christian books. And there's this, there's this other side of you, uh, RJ Pelton that writes about assassins and murder mysteries and all this crazy <laughs> stuff. So, uh, let's talk about that guy. Let's talk about the, the fiction yeah. side of it.
1: Yeah. So, um, so the fiction, you know, that's interesting. Cause that's actually where I started writing was in fiction and, you know, as a kid, um, you know, writing these stories and then, um, Actually, before I even published my first nonfiction, I started to write some short stories again. Um, actually I actually had a friend of my church that uh, was writing some stories and it was kind of one of these weird things. I don't know why writing writers are kind of goofy, like we we feel so insecure. And, you know, we're talking we're talking one day and he's like, hey, I, you know, I, I, I'm writing these like short stories. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I want you to show them to me. And, you know, and he's like, everything's kind of hush hush. And then I was like, hey, I'm, I'm writing some short stories, too. And, you know, we started sharing stories and things um, and you know, we were actually going to work on a little project, but we didn't. But um, but that was really just a fun thing, like a collaborative thing to kind of get into uh, fiction. And, and I, I read a ton of fiction. And so I, I probably over the years, I've read just as much fiction as I have nonfiction. Um, and you know, throughout my life. Um, and so what, what spurred that on was, uh, this thing called national novel writing month. And, uh, it's a, it's actually going on right now. Uh, so during November every year, these crazy people decide to write a 50,000 word novel, um, in 30 days and, and you don't have to finish the novel. Well, it's a rough draft, not the whole thing. Uh, but, uh, I think 2000, it was either 2012 or 2013. I tried doing it the first time and I, I didn't do it. I couldn't finish it. I got like 20,000 words in and petered out. Um, and so really what what kind of sparked that was um, just learning how to kind of get into um, the fiction and what that looks like and how to kind of put the book together and, and just telling a story. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And one of the things I, the reasons I write fiction a lot is I feel like it's another way to kind of express yourself in a way that nonfiction just can't do, you know, not, nonfiction so exact and factual and and didactic and fiction for me, a lot of times is just kind of a a cleansing of the palate. Um, and you don't have to do as much planning, you don't have to do as much research. And so, you know, you can just kind of jump in and tell a story. I really like that part of it. Um, and, and so, yeah, a lot of my ideas are just kind of things that, um, you know, I, I read a lot of like crime thrillers, like Lee Child and stuff like that. Well, I, I thought I came up with an idea. I said, well, what if we did it like in a small town? Um, I live in Missouri. So I was like, what if we did in Missouri? And what if I was watching a lot of, uh, American pickers, if you remember that show. And, uh, I, I was like, what if these guys who kind of collect antiques, um, came across this, this crime and they ended up becoming these kind of like crime, you know, hitmen, assassins in the small town. I thought that'd be kind of interesting, and so I just kind of play with that idea. And and yeah, I've I've written a, a few books in that series called Antique Assassin, and uh, people seem to like it, and you know, and uh, and it's been fun. And so I'm just yeah, just kind of exploring different genres and ways of exploring, you know, um, different ideas and uh, and kind of just bringing your own own flavor to the books.
0: Ryan, I, I, I love that idea. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to call mine um, uh, Garage Sale Gangsters. What do you think about there that? There you go. There you go. <laughs> It'll work. An, yeah. Antique Assassins. I love it. Uh, uh, so, um, uh, Prolific Writer. Uh, I love that. Uh, you Your podcast is called The Prolific Writer. Um, you actually have, you written something called the uh, Prolific Writer Manifesto. There's, there was 10 kind of uh, things that you're supposed to do to be a prolific writer. Inspired by that, I came up with my own kind of 10 core beliefs uh, for, for this podcast, the Prolific Christian Writer Podcast. And number nine is this, and I got it from you, but uh, it's writing, writing fast and often leads to writing well. I just want to talk about being prolific. Why? Why being prolific? Why is that important?
1: You know, um, you know, being prolific is—it's it, kind of interesting. So, if you look at the history of kind of modern writing, um, I, I shouldn't even say modern. I, you know, even going further back, even to the you know 1800s and things, um, you know, most writers were what I would defined as prolific. And that means they wrote a lot, you know, they, they, we didn't have word processors. We didn't have, you know, copy and pasting and spell check and all that. Um, and so people really were, um, having to write really good, clean drafts the first time. And, you know, there wasn't this huge editing process and all that kind of things. Um, and so a lot of like the pulp writers in the thirties and the forties that were writing stories and things, they, they, they just cranked out a lot of work. Um, then it doesn't mean all the work was great in that, but, but there was some kind of myth that kind of, kind of, crept into, you know, English classrooms and college classrooms where the idea of writing fast was, a, was a negative. And so, you know, when you have a book, you got to take 10 years to write it. You got to agonize over every word and every phrase. Uh, but really, that's not how, how writing really works. And so the, the belief is that by being prolific, you're actually practicing the craft a lot. Um, and so when I think about being prolific, it's not just about, you know, who can write hundred books in the next week or the next year. Um, but it's really about practicing the craft and just like an artist, I mean, that does anything for some reason with writing, we're not allowed to practice, you know, we're, we're not allowed to, um, you know, it's not until you're, you're at a certain level that you can share your work. It's not until you're a certain level that you can, you know, um, put your work out there. And so the, the indie revolution has kind of helped us say, you know, you you can continue to grow and and get better, but, but really, um, by being prolific and doing it a lot, you actually get better at the craft. Like there's not a, a disconnect between writing fast and quality. I think that's a, that's a myth that we've, um, kind of let, let creep in. Um, and so, um, so prolific, uh, is also, I think in, in, in our day and age where so much noise and so much, uh, you know, stuff going on on the internet and social media and all that is that being prolific is important because you want to get your work out in the world and you want to be, get noticed. Um, you know, because we believe whatever stories or books we're writing, that they're important and we want we want our message to have an impact. And, um, and so, by being prolific, you know it's 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 not going to be enough just to have one book and maybe have a bestseller, but to say, hey, what would it look like to have multiple books on the shelf so that people can find you and and get into your world and get into your ideas and your message and that kind of stuff? Um, so being prolific is just really essential and important um, for uh, being a writer, and I think in our day and age,
0: you know, I think there's two. Uh Uh, Ways of thinking uh, looking at at the the craft of writing some people look at it as this work of art and they're waiting for inspiration and the muse and You take a different uh, uh, Way of looking at it you um, you I think I've heard you call it uh, being a hard hat creative. Let's talk about that I love that that analogy.
1: Yep Um, You know, it's it's you know, you think about uh, you know, people talk about writer's block you know, and, and, oh, I got writer's block and I can't write and I can't come up with ideas, but, you know, no one says that in any other, you know, work, you know, I don't go, I have pastor's block. I, I just can't, sorry guys, I can't preach this weekend. I don't, I don't have anything. Um, or, you know, a plumber doesn't say I have plumber's block. Uh, you know, what they do is they go to work every day and they work and they work hard, even if they don't feel it. And, uh, the, do- I think the, do- what- the Dodgers had hitting block last
0: night. It was <laughs> yeah, terrible. They 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 decided,
1: <laughs> maybe that is a thing. Um, yeah but, but it's this idea that actually inspiration comes as we work. Um, and so instead of waiting for inspiration and then going to work, we go to work and then we, we find the inspiration as we work. Um, and so, so I, I've kind of tried to help people understand that and switch the the narrative is that you're not waiting for some muse or some fairy to come down and sit on your shoulder, but you're putting on your hard hat every day, just like you would punch the clock and you, and you go to work and, and you just work and whether you feel like it or not, whether you know, you have great ideas or not, and really believe that as you, the more you do that, the inspiration will come, and and you won't be blocked. And and you just, even if the, that day is just a difficult day, and the words aren't coming, and the ideas aren't coming, you know, you just have to keep working and keep working at it. Um, and, and so you know, we've just kind of made made writing into this kind of mythical, magical thing, and and in some ways it is. Like we don't always know where our ideas come from, and and how you know why certain books work and certain ones don't, and why certain ones connect, but. But, you know, the writers aren't waiting for, you know, they have deadlines, they have mortgages to pay, they have publishers, they have editors, they, they just, they have to go to work. They can't be waiting for some kind of mythical muse or some magic to come down. Um, and so I've just been, been, been trying to kind of change that narrative a little bit because it also gets more people into writing. And that's really my, my goal and passion is to get, just get more, you know, Christian and non-Christians to get, get them out there writing more because, you know, they're not just waiting for this, this kind of muse to come down.
0: So this hard hat, uh, creative mentality you talk about that what what does it look like for you and we're in we're in november uh nanowrimo national novel writing month i think i, I saw on your blog that is
1: it are you working on two novels at the same time right now is that uh, yeah yep um yeah just to clarify so uh, my my son and i my oldest son noah who's 10 he uh he had an idea. Uh, we talked about doing a children's book for NaNoWriMo. And, uh, and so as I kind of researched, uh, I've never written a children's book. This is the first time I've done it. So it, it could be terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've talked to my son, he reads a ton and I've talked to my other son too. He's six. Um, he's not reading yet, but he likes to read books. I mean, be read too. And we just talked about, you know, what makes for a good children's book and, and, you know, through some ideas back and forth and really Noah has come up with a lot of the ideas. Um, and we come up to the, the idea or the the solution that really kids' books, like 8 to 12-year-olds, should be probably about 25,000 words, um, you know, kind of fast, action-packed kind of reads. And so NaNo, NaNoWriMo is 50,000 words. So we thought, well, why don't we write two 25,000-word uh, novels? And so that's kind of what we're doing. Um, so I got we got two stories kind of worked out, outlined out. And so I'm writing, yeah, two of them at the same time, um, one after the other. So – doesn't sound as crazy as it might might seem.
0: Well, sometimes children's books are harder to write.
1: They are. They are. I'm 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 very challenged by it. Um I, I read some to my son and one of the things he said was you know, uh, I didn't understand what that word was. Uh, so, you know, you use sometimes some big words that you might think are, you know, those aren't too big. And I don't want to like dumb down the book either. I think kids are smart and they can figure stuff out. Uh, but I had a couple words in there. He's like, I don't even know what that word means. Um, and so, yeah, just writing like a very um, writing very clearly, uh, using language that's very clear, you know, keeping it moving along. Um, it's it's a big shift for me cause I write some fiction books, you know, adult stuff that's, you can kind of flesh out more detail and things, but you got to kind of keep, keep kids books kind of moving along
0: on your blog and your, your podcast. I, I think you talk about, um, that there are three buckets. There's a, to being a, a, a you know, successful author, there's a mindset, the craft, and then the business. Um, talk, let's talk about those, those three buckets. How, how did you come up with those three different areas and, uh, how, why, how's it important to figure out the different buckets in your life, your writing life?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a, um, you know, one of the things I, I, I was hoping, you know, and it may come out in the podcast and may not, but, um, I, I didn't want the podcast, for example, to be just, you know, writer's process. Um, because I, I think that's important. I think it's interesting. Everyone has their own process, but I didn't want it to just be that because I realized, um, I don't think the biggest challenge you and I have and writers have is necessarily process, you know, because I think a lot of writers they, they don't write as much as they could, or they don't start because they're so worried about, you know, what's the process. Do I need an outline? Do I not need to outline? Do I need a certain software? Do I need, you know, uh, a certain writing desk or a certain pencil or, you know, whatever. Um, a lot of it is, comes down to mindset. And so kind of getting our mind right and, um, you know, fighting that kind of, we talk about the fear and, and self doubt and resistance that comes when we create stuff. Cause we're always constantly going, Oh, this is terrible. This is the worst thing ever. Um, and so what holds us back a lot is that insecurity. Um, and so I want to, I wanted to engage that, you know, that, the kind of mindset, cause for years and years that really held me back it was just, you know, you can't, you can't share this story with someone. You can't tell them you're a writer that they're, they're going to think you're crazy or that's a waste of time. Or, you know, why would you do that? Um, and so dealing with the mindset part, because I think mindset's actually what's going to keep you going for the long term more than anything. You don't need much to start writing. If you got a keyboard, a pen, a paper, a pencil, you can start. I mean, that's not an issue, but what holds us back is that fear and that resistance. And, and so I wanted to kind of balance, um, all those things, the mindset piece, the, um, uh, the the also the the business and the publishing um, side and then the craft side um, and so then the other the other extreme would also be just the marketing side that what I mentioned um, is to think you know as a creative you also have to think about well how do I how am I going to get my work out there how am I going to promote it you know um, h- how how are we going to you know build an email list how am I going to get fans to like my stuff and all that that so so kind of those three buckets are really um, kind of a balancing act. And you know, and we're all better at one than the other. Um, and one of the things I'm learning through the podcast, especially as I interview a lot of people, is there are an exception to every rule. And I think we're, we're buying into a lot of advice that we don't need to. Um, I'll give you an example. So um, I know I'm going to get crucified for saying this, but um, a lot of people you know, say you have to have a, a, a newsletter, um, or you have to have an email list. Like if you don't have one, you're pretty much missing out on bestseller and all that. Um, I, I have, I've interviewed at least five people that don't have one and they, they sell six figures in books. And so, um, it's not necessary. Um, and so why I'm saying that is because I think everybody thinks either one way is if I have it, then it's going to be the magic pill. That's going to, you know, finally get my books out in the world. And it might be, but, but a lot of times, It doesn't because there's exceptions to that rule. Um, Another example would be, you know, you have to market your books on social media. I'll tell you, hands down, and I can probably give you thirty examples. Social media does not sell your books. Um, Social media is so saturated. If if you just continue to say buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, um, they're not going to buy your book. Um, And so everyone believes, well, I got to be on social and I got to be on, you know, this and that. You don't have to be. Social is a different. A different tactic. Social is really about just building relationships. Um, you know, it's a little bit of how we met and others, you know, it's, it's, it's getting, you know, out there and saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is my life. This is my personality. This is what I'm into, but it's not about selling. Um, it's more about people trusting you and getting to know you. Um, and so I, I would say even with socials, like you don't have to be on every social media site, you know, just pick one that you like, or one that works with you. If it's Twitter, let it be Twitter. If it's Facebook, let it be Fis- Facebook. But I think we waste so much time on social media thinking that's going to be the magic pill and it's not. Um, and then, you know, I think getting into business too, you also just talking about, you know, the publishing industry, just being aware of what's out there. A lot of people are getting ripped off um, and, you know, being sold a, a, a bag of goods and, um, and just understanding, you know, how to format a book, how to how to find covers, how to find good editors, and not get ripped off. I, I think it's just really important understanding how the publishing industry works, so that you can even submit work to, you know, traditional who publish and all that, and make sure you don't get scammed or ripped off as well. So between mindset, craft, and business, I think it's just as a well-rounded, prolific writer, I think all those buckets kind of need to be in place. I want to hit on uh, two of those topics, and we'll
0: take them one at a time. I want to talk uh, really quick about mindset, and then we'll get into the business side and get mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. The first about mindset, um, you mentioned uh, resistance, and, and Stephen Pressfield's book, uh, uh, The War of Art, is, is a classic that talks about that. Um, all these things about mindset and resistance and all, all this negative uh, doubt, self-doubt, um, what part of that is, uh, applies even more so to uh, Christian writers. Like, where are Christian writers um, even more vulnerable to having a bad, you know, mindset in, in this writing process? Or yeah, are I, they? I th-
1: yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm so I'm writing. I'm writing actually a book called "The Prolific Writer," um, fleshing out some of these ideas. And um, and and it's funny because you know writing from a Christian perspective, it's it's not a Christian book by any means. But but as I was writing um, this this section on um, identity and resistance and and all this, is uh, I talk about you know you have to come to a place where you say I am a writer, um, and um, I'm going to talk and act like a writer. Uh, and because there's a, there's a shift that happens when we, until we can get to that place, we really are just going to be a hobbyist or we're just going to kind of write whenever, you know, we want to on and off. It's not, we're not going to really take it that seriously. So there, there does come a point that you have to tell yourself, like, I am a writer. Like, this is what I do. Like writers, write. If, if I say I'm a writer, then I better be writing. Um, that's really what only defines a writer. It's not, are you published? Are you New York times bestseller? It's if you write, you're a writer. Um, and so, um, so with that is a danger and the danger is that writing becomes the all, all encompassing thing of your life, um, where that becomes your ultimate identity. And so I think for the Christian, we know ultimately our identities in Christ. And so we don't want to make writing or, or art or, or creativity to be this, this big thing where we base all of our worth and our value on, uh, being a writer, because I've also seen some damage for Christians and non-Christians where, um, they build such an identity on that. Like if I don't make it as a writer, if I don't sell a million books, if I, if I don't get traditionally published and I'm going to jump out a window and they, they go to some dark places. And so, so I think for, for me at least is to always constantly remind myself that, that ultimately my, my identity, my worth, my value is not based on how many books I'm selling or if anyone knows my name or, um, you know, if I hit the bestseller list, because the reality is I'm actually having a lot more fun writing because I know even if it falls to the ground or it doesn't, or that book didn't do well, it's okay. Like I'm still fine. Like I'm, I have a a loving God that's, you know, loves me and, and I have a beautiful wife and kids and, and I, I have bigger things in my life that, that aren't just writing. And so, so I think that's the, the danger for the Christian is, is to, you know, see all these big time writers and just go, man, I need a platform like that. And I need a name like that. And that just becomes kind of the defining uh, identity, which can be very dangerous.
0: What, what about the opposite side? I, I, I see that that could be a danger of uh, idolatry and over-identifying with, with this, you know, trying to be successful. Um, but what about, uh, because part of uh, a Christian value is like, hey, I'm supposed to be humble. And even to say, I am a writer, and to have that self-belief, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe Christians uh, might feel like, hey, I'm not supposed to, to give myself that permission until I have a certain level of success. What what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's, again, I think it all just depends how you define, you know, what writing is. Um, I, I do, I do think somewhere along the line there, there was this narrative that kind of crept in that, you know, writers, you know, you're only a writer if you're traditionally published, you're only a writer if you sell a certain amount of books, but, um, but you know, that's never been been the case. I mean, there's been many classic books that we read even in, you know, schools today that, you know, those books didn't become popular till long after the people died. And so to say they weren't successful or they weren't, you know, there's been artists that, you know, um, historically, you know, Van Gogh and others that, that didn't really do that well as they were living. But when they died, you know, their, their art took off, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and so, um, so I think, you know, when you think about humility, I, I think, uh, I've, I've heard Chase Jarvis, he's a, a creative guy he runs creative live. And, um, uh, I, I don't think he's a Christian guy, but but he talks about every every person is a hyphen. And so he says, you know, we all have these different roles that we play, like we're fathers and we're mothers and we're brothers and we're sisters and we're pastors and we're, you know, friends and, and we're also writers and we're plumbers and we're engineers. And and he says, you know, everybody has these hyphens, these different things that they do. And, and I don't think it's arrogance. I don't think it's it's wrong to say, you know, hey, I'm a writer and, and this is one, one of the things that I do. Um, I think it's important that you you kind of just value that because I, I know as a pastor you get kind of pigeonholed into like you're just a pastor. that's all you are. that's all you can ever be you know, you can't think anything well, but you know I have other other hobbies like you know i I love to to make music and listen to music and and love to to read and write and um you know, I like sports. I like other things like i I'm creative. I like to make stuff and um so I'm not just a pastor like that's one of my hyphens. it's one of my callings, but it's um it, it's not you know, it, it's not the every, everything like Ryan Pelton is a complex human being, you know, he's a, he's a father, he's a husband, he's a, he's a son, he's, you know, all these kinds of things. Um, and, and so I think it's just learning how to kind of be okay with the different, um, maybe, you know, sub callings that you have or vocations you have. Um, I heard a, a pastor, I don't know if this is helpful, but I know, you know, if predominantly Christian audience, um, a guy named Michael Horton, some of the people may have heard of him, but, but he always talked about how there's all these pastors that he would call like a, he called it like an a vocation. I don't know if that's the exact term he used, but I think it was a vocation. And he said, you know, there's a lot of pastors that, they're really good artists, but they've been called to, to be in, you know, pastors, me ministry. So what they do on the side is they, they create art because it's kind of this, this a vocation. It's not something they're necessarily going to make their living on or whatever, but it's just really something they've been gifted to do and wired to do and they love to do and they can't stop doing it. And so they, they end up kind of just doing that on the side and enjoying that. And there's a lot of people like that. Uh, I just, you know, I met a guy recently, blue collar worker, worked in a in a mill and you know he he was a painter on the side and and drew all kinds of great pictures but you know he he never he he wasn't trying to do that to make a living but it was just something that he felt called to as well and so um so yeah it's it's a tricky balance it's not neat and tidy it's kind of messy and um yeah we're just kind of learning how to how to balance all that stuff
0: let's uh, let's talk about the business uh, i i really wanted to talk to you about the indie Publishing movement. You're talking about eBooks, print-on-demand. Uh, you and I are both published uh, independently. Let, let's let's talk about that and how that applies to the uh, Christian writers out there. Mm-hmm. What, uh, uh, where, do, um, how do you define the differences? Like, let, let's just kind of uh, define what is indie publishing. Uh, we know that it's not vanity publishing and it's not it's right. not necessarily just uh, garbage. Right. So what what yep. is indie and what what is traditional publishing?
1: Yeah. So uh, so, you know, traditional publishing is, you know, you think about, you know, in New York, you know, we got these big five publishers, you know, Random House and all these others. Um, and, you know, I think traditional is, you know, a big basically, a, you know, institution an organization that, you know, takes manuscripts in. Uh, you know, they call it the slush pile. They go through the manuscripts. Um, usually you have to vet it with an agent. So You have to have some kind of agent or editor that has your back and and submits it for you and says, Hey, I got this book. I'm shopping it around. Will you guys take a look at it? Um, and then they vet it and they say, you know, maybe, maybe not. Most of the time it's not. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of, a lot of great authors have done that, gone that route, um. You've know, gotten published that route, and a lot of people have been rejected hundreds of times. I, I've submitted some stuff to, to traditional publish, publishers and things, um, and you know, and there's there's different there's small presses that are you know not big ones, but they're you know small uh, outfits that you can submit stories to and books to and things. Um, they typically give you an advance, um, so you can, you know, write the book. It's never enough to live off or, or anything. Um, but one of the, the challenges of traditional publishing that people don't realize is that traditional publishing is, is banking their money on the best sellers. And so the way they stay and keep their doors open is you have to have uh, a few authors that sell millions and millions of books. Um, and so what that means is the mid listers or the smaller authors um, they're not going to get the kind of marketing and the kind of you know backing that the big guys are going to get, and so so a lot of times when you submit to a traditional publisher, even if they accept it, is um, you have to do all the marketing, and um and you and your royalties are going to be really terrible, and not enough to live off on, and, and 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 so those are a lot of things that people don't realize in the traditional um, publishing space now. Let me give you something just kind of as an antidote, especially in the Christian space, is that for Christian publishers, um, it's really a challenge to get your books published in a traditional way if you're not a big name uh, pastor. And what I mean is if you are not, don't have a mega church, you don't have a big ministry, you're not on TV, you don't have a huge platform, it's virtually impossible to get your books published because they're banking on you selling thousands and thousands of books. Now, what people don't realize is that even in the Christian space is that these mega churches, if you have 20,000 people in your church, most of the people are going to buy your book or half your people are going to buy your book. If you sell 10,000 copies, you're gonna be a bestseller. So, um, they're, they're banking on that's going to be a given. Now it doesn't mean it has to be a good book. It just is people in their church going, Hey, that's my pastor. I'm going to buy his book. Um, so it makes it really challenging for guys like me and you that maybe pastor smaller churches don't have huge platforms to get their work out into the world, um, through the traditional route. Um, So that's a little traditional now indie. Now, again, I know people say self-publishing and that has a negative connotation, but we're not talking about, um, it's really not self-publishing because you're not just doing it by yourself. Um, you have to have a lot of people involved in the process, um, cover designers, formatters, editors, you know, beta readers, all kinds of people looking at your work. So it's never just an, a solo thing. It's not vanity. It's not, um, you know, I'm going to go pay this company $5,000. They're going to format my book give me a cover, edit it, a whole thing. And then they're going to give me 5,000 books to put in my garage and then I got to go out and sell them. That's really what vanity publishing is. Um, indie publishing is really um, going to places like Amazon, um, you know, writing your book, getting it professionally edited, getting a cover, getting it formatted, doing the marketing yourself, but then having your book available on ebook, uh, print on demand, uh, where when someone orders your book through Amazon, it they automatically print it. You don't have to keep it in your garage or whatever. Um, And so Indy is really just gives you the freedom to kind of create what you want to create. You don't have to go through the gatekeepers. Um, You don't your book doesn't have to fit in a particular genre because that's a lot of times why books get rejected is because it just doesn't fit what they want, um, what traditional publishers want. And that's not that it's a bad book. It's just like, well, that's not going to sell what we want or that's not the idea we want right now. Um, And so it gets rejected. So you have a lot of freedom to get your books directly to readers. Um, and also your royalty rates are going to be way higher, you know, 70%, um, or sometimes even higher that the author gets to keep, um, as opposed to traditional, which can be anywhere from 17% to 3%. And it's just not enough to to live on or make any kind of money from. So, um, and again, it's not all about the money, but, but it is, you know, you want some, some revenue from your efforts. Um, so that's just a very generic, uh, way of looking at that. But yeah, go ahead and ask me any more questions on that. So,
0: so. Uh, It seems like right now there's this huge boom in the independent publishing space, and there's a lot of people becoming very, very successful in it. Uh, A couple independent authors, like, for example, uh, the movie The, The Martian and then Ready Player One, they were both independently published, and then they got a huge following, got picked up by traditional publishers. Now movies are being made of them, and they're great books. So it doesn't mean that independent is, is, is bad. Right. right. Um, so it seems like a lot of these newer authors are going the independent route, but the, in the Christian space, it feels like we're, again, slow on adoption. We're kind of behind the times here. Why do you think that is?
1: I think that's just a general thing. I, I don't know. Um, you know, if it's just fear, uh, you know, things that are new things that are shiny, you know, uh, uh, is it somehow the devil behind it? I don't know. Um, we, we just tend to be, you know, 20 years behind most of the time in the, in the church. So, so whether that's technology or other things, that's just the reality. Um, I, I don't really have any you know profound, um, insight on that, but, um, but I, I think there's, is, there is that sense of, um, <clears throat> you know, a a lot of what is, uh, being published, um, especially in the Christian space is, uh, again, kind of, kind of feeds a certain demographic. It feeds kind of a certain uh, person. And so a lot of the Christian publishing house, and it's very similar to Christian music. Um, it's really geared towards 18 to 35 year olds, five-year-old white women. I mean, that's, that's actually gospel truth. That's not just me saying things. Um, and so what that means is, one of the, I mean, this is really, I think, an indictment on Christian fiction. For example, is you know, Amish fiction is Amish romance. Excuse me, is one of the highest selling you know genres in Christian fiction. That's actually what keeps a lot of publishing houses doors open because that's that's geared towards a certain demographic, um, typically women, um, you know, maybe stay-at-home moms, maybe older women, um, and so they're banking on selling those books in volume to keep kind of keep their publishing houses open. So, um, and, and I, I know some Christian um, guys who you know, they're horror writers or they're suspense or thriller or crime. And it's like, you know, if you have certain language, they're not going to publish you. Um, it just doesn't fit their, their kind of what they want. And so it can be be challenging where Christians don't know where to go. Um, they don't know what to do. Um, and so indie publishing ends up becoming, um, where, where they end up and, and it becomes actually a really good option. Uh, I mean, I write Christian books and nonfiction books, especially, in the indie space, because again, I don't have a huge platform and it's hard for me to submit to big publishers because, um, I just don't have the name. I don't have the marketing behind me. And, and, and so they, if they're not going to make a ton of money, they don't want your books. And so, um, so I found indie publishing just to be a great, great middle of the road thing to say, I still have control. Um, I still can have people looking at my work, making it better, um, and still creating quality books that people like to read, and and I, I like, I mean, I like the whole process. That's part of me. Maybe I'm a control freak too, um, but you know, having control over covers and editors and um, formatting and marketing and all that, I think there's just some some nice things about that um, that I like. That whole creative process all the way down.
0: What w- What would you say to encourage uh, new Christian writers out there to? Uh, get their work out there what would you say to, to encourage them those who are maybe they've never published or they they have a partially finished manuscript someplace uh, what what would you like to say to encourage them
1: yeah i I think it you know it's it's really simple advice um, and it's really straightforward advice is just you have to write a lot um, and if you want to add you know what Stephen King always says and a lot of writers have said you know read a lot write a lot um, that's really how you get better um, and and I think uh th- there is no shortcuts um you know w- when you talk about indie publishing and i talk about indie publishing like we're not talking about getting rich you know quick scheme here um we're talking about hard work and we're talking about labor and and you know putting in the time putting in the effort um getting better um producing you know each book getting a little bit better um and so you know for the aspiring writer it's just you know you have to ask the question like i mean again i i meet people weekly i get emails weekly where it's hey i want to write or i want to do this but it's you know when i ask the question are you writing anything it's like no um so well okay go go write something go practice um that's what you need to do um you know because a lot of people come with ideas you know i have an idea for a book it's like well have you written anything on that idea have you fleshed it out have you you know it's like no it's just an idea um you know, publishers don't buy ideas, and and you have to know if it is. You know, vet the idea. You know, r- get something out there, share it with your friends, share it with your family, whatever it is. Um, and so there's no shortcuts here. It's just it's just writing a lot, it's reading a lot, and just you know, and then hopefully f- finishing what you start. Um, I think there's something that happens when you you know, especially indie. The indie space has allowed that for to happen is to, to actually, you know, when you're done, you can actually share your book with the world. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts we've had in the last 10 years, um, that, that you can actually finish something and then share it. And I think that's, that's wonderful. And then people will tell you, they'll give you feedback. Like, is it any good? Is it not? Reviews will tell you, people will tell you and, and you know, and sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not and that's okay. Um, but you know, you get back on the horse and you keep riding. So, um, so I I think those, those kind of things, read a lot, uh, write a lot, and just finish what you start. Um, It it just teaches you so much when you go from beginning to end. Um, And I, you know, before my first book, I could not finish anything. Um, I I just, I I started a million things. I had 50 manuscripts on my hard drive, just could not finish anything. Um, And so it's just something about finishing that really teaches you a lot, um, how to just keep, keep doing it, how to become really a prolific writer.
0: So Ryan, you're a pretty busy guy. You're you're prolific in a lot of different ways. You're a pastor, you write a blog, you do a podcast weekly. You're uh prolific in the child producing realm also, <laughs> right? So you got yeah. you're, you're you got another yep. kid coming out here and yep. in between, you're going to write two books this month. So how do you do it? How do you how do you find the time to do it?
1: Yeah, um so one thing I always tell people is just know yourself. Um, so know know who you are, not who I am. Cause that's, if I tell you to do something that might not work for you. Um, so know who you are, but also know kind of the season of life that you're in. And so, um, you know, I'm similar to you. I, you know, some, I have small children, you know, my oldest is 10 and you know, all the way down. Um, and, and so for me, what works best, which actually has worked best probably for the last, you know, eight years or so, is evenings. Um, I'm a little bit of a night owl, so that helps me, and that's just me. Um, my kids get get up way too early, so if I want to, you know, wake up to to beat them, it's going to be like four in the morning. I'm just not a four in the morning kind of guy. I've done it; it's just not my favorite, and Then I'm just mad the whole rest of the day. Um, but for the evenings, um, two things: one is um, my wife is a early. Uh, not an early riser, but an early go to bedder, if that's a word, she goes to bed, uh, you know, early. And so w- what I try to do is if I know that, um, you know, from let's say nine to 11 is kind of my writing time. Um, and so, so that's, that's really worked well for me, uh, is nine to 11. Um, you know, having a plan, kind of knowing what I'm working on and, you know, and for me, it's just chipping away. It's not, you know, I don't have to write 10,000 words, but it's just chipping away a little bit each day. I don't write every single day. Um, I, you know, I, I, I try to write consistently, but that doesn't mean every day. Um, and so it's just, just kind of knowing, knowing my season of life, knowing who I am. Um, and then, you know, there's other times like on days off, if I got a little, you know, a few minutes here, a few minutes there. One thing I've been experimenting with, that's actually been really helpful is doing little short writing sprints. Um, so 15 minute, 25 minute, 30 minute sprints where you just, you know, it could be over lunch. It could be, you know, while the kids are taking a nap and it's just a quick 30 minute, uh, kind of blast through some words. And, um, I'm a fairly fast, uh, writer. Um, and so, you know, in a, in a 30 minute, um, burst, I can probably get, anywhere from 1200 to 1400 words, um, per, per little session. And so that's not a ton of time. Um, I, I, just think people need to hear that, you know, this isn't, well, if I didn't have a job and I didn't have kids, I could be a lot more prolific. It's really about, I just wrote an article. You can go look it up. Maybe you can put it in the show notes. Um, I talk about my read a lot, write a lot, chip away system, And, uh, and really that's all it is, is just chipping away. It's if you want to read a lot, you just read a few pages a day. And then over a year's time, you've read like 20 books. Um, you want to write a lot, you know, write, you know, 500 words in 15 minute sprints, do that three or four times a day. And next thing you know, you have. 10 books in a year. So, so it's not about this mass volume. It's, it's more of a mass volume over time. And so, um, so I think those are a few things that, that kind of help me not be overwhelmed by the writing and, you know, and it's also something I love to do. It's, it's, it's how I learn. It's how I teach myself. It's how I think about things and flesh things out. And so it's not a burden. It's not something like, Oh, I have to today. It's something I get to do. Um, and so that, that helps too.
0: Yeah, I've heard people describe it. And I think I heard you describe it also as as writing in the cracks of your life. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do people mean by that?
1: Yeah, it's it's it it it's just being, um, you know, if you lo- if you love it, if you want to do it, you'll find time to do it. Like I think that's the biggest myth in the world. Is it seems like people really really love Netflix more than they love everything else. And so if you love to do that, guess what? You're gonna make time to to watch Netflix. Same goes with writing. Well, that means I might have to cut out some Netflix because I really love to write and I have a lot of book ideas I want to get out before I die. And uh, and so the cracks really are just finding those those 15 minutes, 30 minutes, hour here, hour there and, and just getting in some words. Um, like for example, I was, uh, last year I was, I just had, I just thought about this today. I was at a, uh, a family reunion and we were out in the woods and, uh, with a bunch of our extended family and it was a great time. And it was, it was around the holiday around New Year's. And, uh, and it was just late at night. Everybody was in bed. I had my laptop and it was just a beautiful night and I'm looking out at the stars and through the kitchen window. And I just took 30 minutes and wrote some, some stuff I was working on. Um, and so again, just the cracks, like it's just, where can you find a few minutes here, a few minutes there? Um, you know, sometimes maybe you need a notebook with you or you need, you know, your phone. You just, I've typed in ideas in my phone as I'm waiting at an appointment or, you know, waiting in for a meeting to to start or or whatever. Um, and, and so, you know, over again, over time, you're just finding those little cracks, um, in between kids naps, you know, over lunch, (laughs) whatever it is. Um, Why you know the wife's sleeping you know you get in some some writing time, and so yeah you just just find the time
0: that's pretty amazing coming from a person that is doing all these different things pastoring and you have a family and a business and you 've written sixteen books so uh, that no one else has an excuse if people say hey i you know, <laughs> I got a job I mean man that's that's pretty impressive yeah let me one last question uh yep. Ryan think about the moment probably your, your your the moment where you were most discouraged or your you know the lowest moment along this this writing journey that you've been on what would you like to do what would you say What well, if you could go back and encourage that guy who was going through that dark time what would what would you want to say to him i
1: mean describe that moment and what would you want to say to him yeah i i think uh... I think early on, uh, I wish I would have written more than I, I did, or, or, or I should say this way, like, you know, I talked earlier about my, my writing journey, like I've always written. Um, but there's, you know, a lot of years where I didn't write much. And, uh, you know, one of those things was the, the fiction that I really like to, to write stories and things that I kind of just let go to the side because, you know, I, I think I got a lot of, um, you know, bad advice and again, no, no offense to my Christian brothers and sisters, but Um, you know, almost like, you know, fiction's a waste of time. Like, why would you read fiction? Why would you write fiction? That's just, you know, again, a waste. And and that just seems silly. Um, but then, you know, as I got into like finding all these like brilliant Christian authors like CS Lewis and Tolkien and some of these other guys that really just said, you know, the, the, the goal of a Christian writer is to first write a good story. It's not to, it's not to preach. It's not to moralize. It's not to do anything else. Um, But to write a good story and, and, you know, it's God's common grace. He's given us great literature. He's given us minds and creativity and, and, uh, and and ways to express ourselves like that. We kind of squash down sometimes and we think, well, it's gotta be very explicitly Christian or it doesn't count. Um, and I, I don't think God sees it that way. I I think being made in his image, we're, we're makers, we're creatives. You know, um, I would never want to tell a Christian that's just writing mainstream or creating mainstream art that that's not, you know, suitable. Um, now granted they have to have their own convictions and they all have to have their own you know, worldview and how that shapes it. But, um, but the reality is, is I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have had that mindset earlier. Um, I wish I would have written more earlier. Um, I think I was dealing with a lot of just, you know, this is, uh, the self doubt and the fear and, you know, what if it's no good and what if, you know, but I wasn't really practicing, I wasn't finishing anything. I, you know, Um, and and so, you know, when I, when the indie stuff got more popular, I was kind of in the camp of, you know, self-publishing, that's just vanity and that's just people that can't get published. And, but now, I mean, some of my favorite authors are indie authors and it's some of the best stuff out there. And so it's not that it's poor quality, but, um, I, I just, I I would want to tell any writer just, you know, don't be afraid and and just, you know, you have messages, you have things you want to share and, and whatever anyone's telling you, just do it. I mean, there's no gatekeepers anymore it may be trash. It may not be good, but, but, you know, you can get better and you can share that, that work don't let that hold you back. Cause there really is nothing to hold us back. Now. The only, the, really the reality, the only person that's holding you back is you, um, there's no one else telling you, you can't do this. Um, and so I think that's important, um, just to, to kind of deal with some of those little writer demons that we all kind of face.
0: Wow. I, Ryan, just talking, I filled up, two pages of notes just from all the things that you've been saying. This has just been very helpful for me. I'm sure it's going to be really helpful for, for the listeners out there. Uh, how, Ryan, how can people find you, connect with you? Um, I know you got a new book out. Uh, uh,
1: how can people uh, connect with you? Yeah, i got a got a new book out. It's called By Way of Reminder. Um, it's uh, Gospel Promises for When Life is Falling Apart. Um, It's a, it's a Christian book. It's a 31 days kind of written 31 days. So each one's like a devotional um, dealing with a different topic, probably things that, uh, we all struggle with and we'll probably go through at some point in our lives, um, in some way, shape or form. And it's also a book kind of designed so that you can minister to other people that may be going through a tough time. Um, and so I just kind of wrote a book that I think everything, you know, sometimes Christian space can be so happy, clappy and you know, everything's great, but this one's kind of a little more like, how do we, when life does get hard, how do we apply God's truth and promises to our lives? So that's out there by way of reminder, I think print and ebook, um, you can find it on Amazon. Um, best way to find me. So if you're listening and you're a writer, um, for writers, you can go to prolific, the prolific Um, and that's where the podcast is hosted. And I, I post some articles and some other, there's some other writing free writers stuff on there. You can check all that out. And then if you want to fo- follow me, um, uh, my books, my writing, my journey, whatever, uh, find me on social media, It's just Ryan J And, uh, all my stuff is there. I'm not hard to find. Just Google me. Um, if you do Google my name, Ryan Pelton, you will find an Elvis impersonator. That is not me. Um, but if you search around, you will find the real Ryan J Pelton. So all the stuff's there.
0: Well, Ryan, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your friendship and even helping me on my uh, writing journey. So I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, Tian, thank you so much. And thank you for starting this podcast. I think it's going to help a lot of people too, and uh, especially Christians trying to get in the writing world. And I'm um, so glad for you then, and all your success. So thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks for listening today. We hope you found it helpful. If you like the show, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast or by leaving a rating or review. You can connect with me on my website, tndone.net where I have lots of helpful resources available to you for free. My website is tndone.net. That's spelled T-H-I-E-N-D-O-A-N.net. See you next time. And remember, you can change the world with your words.